Hey guys, how are we getting on? Hope we're all good. Welcome back to the JCC podcast for episode 58. Hope we're all having a lovely day. I think I start every single podcast by saying this, but I really do mean it, that I hopefully that everyone's having a lovely day. If you listen to this, going for a walk with the dog, doing your cardio, chilling out, doing some work, whatever that it is, I appreciate all of you guys for tuning in and listening. You will have heard in the last podcast that we did, and you also might have seen from my socials, excuse me, that we have launched Conditioned in 12. Our first ever transformation challenge has been launched and it's been an amazing intake so far. And I'm honestly just so grateful and thankful for everyone who has signed up and for everyone who will sign up or who has done so in coaching for me. I, I, I tell clients that I don't take that for granted and I really, really do mean it. People putting their trust into me as their coach is something I do not take for granted at all and never will. And I'm going to give absolutely everything to every single person who does come to work with me to achieve the result that we all know that we are cap- well capable of. However, there is a sign-up date that we need to be in for the challenge, and that's going to be the 10th of September. We are not guaranteed to run all the way. We've had so many sign-ups already, which is amazing, but there is a cap on numbers for me clients-wise. I can't work with an, uh, as many clients as possible because my quality coaching service is going to drop. So I have a number in my head that we, we may well reach before September 10th is out. So if you are thinking of it, do sign up before that date. If you're looking to you know feel a little bit... You know, like feeling a little bit off after the summer, feeling like we're holding on to a little more body fast, you know, not feeling great and confident in our physique. Now is the time to do a challenge with personalized training plans, personalized nutrition protocols, supplementation protocols, weekly check-ins, evaluating progress, um, weekly communication with myself, the private member side access, anything and everything you can think of is going to be involved in this challenge. There's also, of course, the main thing, a prize, a prize of 2,000 euro worth of prizes for the winner, 500 euro of that is being cash and also six months of online coaching. And also to make this even better, it's the cheapest and mo- most affordable, actually, I might say, most affordable coaching program I've ever run, ever. At all, it will only be 100, it can be as little, excuse me, as 148 euro 50 cents per month, which is crazy cheap for the the value of coaching that you are getting with this. And it's such a high value coaching program as well. So if you are looking and interested in getting conditioned in the next 12 weeks, hit the link in the description and sign up. Okay. However, this podcast is going to be all around training and particularly training program design. Now there's a lot of nuances in training design. I've talked about this quite often recently, about trying to create the most optimal plan that you can possibly do, but not being able to, you know, execute, adhere it and progress it, et cetera. So try not to get too stuck into the nuts and bolts of exercise selection and all this kind of stuff. And look at these kind of main components, the main 10 components to be able to progress your physique. Okay. So number one, I think I just gave it away by mistake. Number one was, is sustainability and enjoyment. Me giving all of you guys a six day week training plan where you're in the gym three day, three hours a day doing, you know, hundreds of sets sounds horrific in my opinion. Okay. And nothing that I would ever sustain. So we need to create plans that are incredibly sustainable and very much so enjoyable. I would much, I've said this a million and one times, I would much prefer someone who comes to work with me in condition in 12, let's say for an example, and say they love doing, you know, barbell squats to improve their quads. Okay. We know that it's it's a good exercise, but it, there's better exercises to improve your quads, like a hack squat. If they don't like a hack squat and they love barbell squatting, guess what? I'm putting in a hack squat. If someone loves doing a, 
uh, you know, a barbell press instead of a Smith machine press. Guess what? I'm going to put that in. Sustainability and joy. I would much prefer a client walking around the gym with a smile on their face and enjoying the session, giving it 100% rather than the perfect, most biomechanically sound plan that you can possibly think of with external stability, all this stuff, all the lengths of ranges of motion, hit of muscle tissues, excuse me. But they're walking around in a bit of a, you know, with a bit of a hump, you know, not feeling great and giving about 80% effort. The person who gives 100% effort with a smile on the face is absolutely going to progress more than the other person, okay, who doesn't enjoy the plan, I, I believe anyway. This all has to, you know, take into account how many days a week you can and want to train for. If you can only train for three days, that's okay. Try not to make a five-day training split, not being able to sustain it and fall off after four weeks. Run a three-day split and progress it. How long you can stay in the gym for and want to stay in the gym for. If you want to stay in the gym for two hours a day and you can, go for it. But if you're creating a plan, you have to do this session on your lunch break where you have an hour to get in, get to the gym, travel-wise, get into the gym, shower, change, and get back to your office. And giving yourself a two-hour workout is definitely not sustainable. So we need to take all these things into account. What exercises do you love? Keep them in. I'm telling you, just keep them in no matter what you do. If you have any injuries or niggles that you need to work around, take those into account with your program design. But the number one before we talk about anything has to be sustainability and enjoyment. Number one priorities. Okay. Number two, then, once we've created a sustainable, enjoyable plan, nothing else after this matters unless we're talking about, or unless we're, excuse me, putting high intensity training and effort into our sessions, okay? The best, like I just said, the best plan in the world that takes into account adherence, the most biomechanically sound, the one perfectly set up for you and your physique that isn't trained with effort and intensity is completely useless, completely useless. You may as well not be doing it. But maybe not that. Maybe that's a little bit extreme. But as you know, guys know, I love the extremities. If we're not training, and there's actually a bit of research just come out recently, which is great, about, I don't believe it's actually published yet, but it was a great one on Revive Stronger podcast. Okay, definitely worth a listen about proximity to failure. Proximity to failure means how close to failure that we're going. When I say failure, if I say zero RIR, that means that we tried the last rep. Think of it like in a hacksaw. We went down to the bottom and we could not get up. We tried our absolute best and gave max effort, but we couldn't get up. That's zero RIR. One RIR is right behind that, which is an unbelievably hard rep. And two RIR is behind that, which is still an unbelievably hard rep. We need to be training in around that kind of two to zero RIR to be able to facilitate and, and stimulate, excuse me, hypertrophy. Okay, so the harder that we train, the more likely we are to grow. Okay, so without any, without intensity and without effort, the training plan that we pick is completely useless. So if you're to take two things from this podcast and walk away now, unplug your earphones, and this is why these are number one and two, make your plan sustainable and enjoyable and train your ass off in the gym. Bring high or close proximity to failure in all of your sets and high effort. Okay. The next one then, and then we can get into the bit of the nuances. We talk about frequency of training. Ideally, we would like to try and hit each muscle group two times every seven to 10 days. Ideally, every seven, the more frequent that you can train a muscle, 
the more potential growth that there is, okay? If you overtrain it and you're training it too frequently, you're not giving it enough time to recover. Therefore, that has a negative effect on your performance the next time that you train it. And therefore, you're almost regressing. However, the sweet spot I like to look at is going to be every kind of seven to 10 days. If you're hitting each muscle group two times per week, you're in a great spot. If you're running pull, push, legs, what I advise is pull, push, off, legs, off, pull, push, off, legs, off. So you're hitting pull and pull, pull one, pull two, every 10 days. Okay, so two, two times every 10 days, upper, lower, upper, lower. In a, in a week, you'll hit it two times. If you're doing an upper, lower, and a full body rotation, you're still hitting it two times in a week if you train three times a week. Okay. As long as we have that frequency at around seven to 10 days, every two times, you're in a great position then. Okay. Enough volume is going to be number four. Make sure we have enough volume to stimulate growth enough that you can progress. Again, just like frequency, the more volume that you can do, the potential for more effective reps that you can do, i.e. the intensity and, and that close proximity to failure set, the more of those that you get, the more growth that you will the, the the potential for more growth that you will achieve. Okay. Think of it like an inverted U curve. That volume is progressive and we can see an improvement as we come through, as we add more sets, but there's also going to be a peak where we have maximum effective volume and anything after that then is going to become negative because we're trying to do too much. We're not able to recover for the next session and therefore performance drops. So you want to try and find your peak. And I think I've discussed this in a podcast recently, so I won't, won't discuss it too too much. Make sure you, if you're doing 15 sets in a workout and you're progressing all of them, try 17 the next week. Progress all of them, try 20 the next week. Okay, when I did 20, I actually only progressed, you know, 60% of them. And then I tried the 20 the next week and actually I only progressed 40%. Okay, 20 seems like too many sets. Let's bring it back down to maybe 16 or 17 sets again. And then let's keep it there. Okay, that's how I would advise how to pick enough volume, but not too much volume that it limits your potential progression. Okay. The next one is the age old debate, free weights versus machines. Which one is better? Is there one that's better than the other? No, there is neither that is better nor worse. Both can facilitate and stimulate growth in their own way. Okay. The only thing I want you guys to be wary of and think about is something called the stimulus to fatigue ratio. So when you have a free, let's do, let's do squatting patterns, okay? A barbell squat versus a hack squat are completely different. The hack squat has something called external stability. It's a machine. You don't have to think about which way that it's going up, other than going up and down in one plane of motion. You can't fall forward with it. You can't fall back, can't fall to the side. So it has external stability with it. A barbell squat doesn't have this. You can fall backwards with the barbell, to the side, to the front. You have to stabilize internally with that, which means it causes a lot more energy to do so, creating a lot more fatigue, okay? So when you do more barbell work, if you went in and did a session and it was barbell RDLs, barbell split squat, barbell back squat, you know, dumbbell walking lunges, and let's say a you know a dumbbell goblet squat, okay? Comparatively to a leg press, a hamstring curl, a leg extension, and a hack squat, okay? The second day is probably, if you train as hard on both days, the second day is probably going to create more fatigue. Both will create this very, very similar, if not identical, stimulus. But the fatigue is going to be much higher in that free weight session. 
does this, Josh, does this mean that we should never do free weights again? Not at all. I think that these are so beneficial to do. It's particularly things like a, an RDL, particularly things like a, a dumbbell prep, bench press, those kind of things that work in those lengthened ranges, which is dumbbells are fantastic for, are amazing. But just I would advise having a bit of a split and having some machines and some free weights. I would actually argue having about, for me, I like to kind of program and have myself about 70, 70, 70, 75% machines and about 20 to 25 to 30% free weights. They're just made up numbers, but in and around that kind of splits, definitely more, you'll see from my training, more machines, but then I do still have my, you know, my barbell RDL. I have my dumbbell incline press. I have my um, trying to think off the top of my head now what else I have free weights and to be fair not, not that many exercises so maybe it is a little bit higher than they're a little bit less than 25% but there are always going to be some in there dumbbell laterals etc there's always going to be some in there okay so do keep both them in but just be mindful of the stimulus to fatigue ratio and then also the last thing is going to be that external stability. If you're doing a Smith machine press, you don't have to think about if that barbell is going to fall in front of you or behind you. You can just focus on the pec. On a barbell incline press, you have to think about if that barbell is going to hit you in the in the, in the face or fall forward. So you have to waste some energy thinking about this and stabilizing and taking away potential energy from the pec. Again, does that mean that you should never do this? Not at all. I think it's an unbelievable exercise, the barbell incline press, but something to be weary about in your program design. The next one, number six, is going to be to be able to work both the shortened, the mid, not both, the shortened, the mid, and the length and range of, of each muscle. I always like to use a quad for an example. So when we're in pro program design, when we're in a session, I always would like to try and hit hit three lengths, okay, particularly with a quad or for all muscle groups, to be honest. One is going to be the shortened position of the quad, okay? So the when the quad is fully short, it's when your knee is completely extended, okay? So the best way to do that is through a knee extension machine or a leg extension as we know it, okay? So we can work the shortened position in a leg extension. In a leg press, we will get into mid to length range, but mainly middle middle range, particularly on like a 45 degree leg, leg press, where we'll get that knee to about just inside 90 degrees. Ideally, to be honest, we want to try to get to about 70 degrees, okay, of knee flexion, okay, where we're getting into that middle range. On something like a hack squat, then we want to be getting into maximal knee flexion, which is the lengthened range. So the quad is fully stretched and lengthened. We're getting into maybe, you know, 30 degree of knee, knee flexion then, okay? So then we have all three bases of the program covered. The shortened position, the mid position, and the lengthened position. I'll actually have a post coming up on this about lat, lat dominant training. You can work the shortened position, sh mid to short position of the lat, particularly the short and let's say a lat pull down, but an isolateral row, okay, which you'll see in the video on. So do do, do have a look at my Instagram as soon as my, my new YouTube is dropped. On an isolateral row, if you set up the machine correctly, you can work the lat in a lengthened position. So it's important to have both those in. Same with like a T-bar row. T-bar row is more lengthened position than shortened. And like a dumbbell upper a dumbbell row or bent up row is going to be more uh, short position than lengthened position. So having all bases covered is what I'm trying to say here. Okay. Number seven then is going to be unilateral versus bilateral. To be honest, I like to have quite a good bit of unilateral work in for me individually because of the injuries that I have, okay, and the imbalances that I have. My elbows are not great. My knees are not great. So I like to use all arm work for me is 
unilateral or or done on with a certain setup on the cable so that my alignment is really good. So I'll have a cable in each hand when I'm doing like tricep work or something like this. And the reason for that is because of my my elbow pain, et cetera. If you have imbalances and you have one arm much bigger than the other or the legs much bigger than the other, or you feel connection much more so in one than the other, I would advise doing this. But I advise having this kind of in pretty much everything, like having even, even something like a, a cable fly for your pec rather than just doing barbell work the whole time, okay, or Smith machine work. It will be individual, unilateral. You're using one arm than the other. You don't have to do it single arm, like left arm only, then right. But as long as you're doing stuff that are challenging both sides individually, that would be heavily advised. Same with pull downs, getting your your unilateral pull downs in as well as your bilateral stuff as well. This will often have, you know, if you're trying to focus on two muscle groups, like you both biceps working at the same time it can be quite challenging if you only have to think about one the likelihood of the stimulus is going to be much much bigger much higher to that and you can also get in your unilateral pull downs if you lean towards one side it's actually much better for the lat to work it unilaterally because you can get it shorter now the obvious caveat to this is time it takes time to do this I, i hate training my arms because it takes so much time, but to keep me injury free and to keep me in the gym, I need to do this. So, so it's one something that I kind of take with a pinch of salt. If you have the time, it's definitely worthwhile having both in the program. Number eight is going to be, sorry, almost knocked over the mic. Number eight then is going to be tempos. Something that I, I don't like to look too much into, but what I can often see from clients' clips when they send over to me is going to be tempos being way, way, way too quick. Okay. The first thing that I always do is just, just slow it down. One is going to be that I think I, I said this today in a check-in, I think. With a slower tempo comes one, less injury risk. You hammering a hack squat up and down, up and down, up and down, doing 10 reps in 30 seconds. It's not going to be great for your knee joint, okay? You do putting a three-second eccentric on it, okay, and a one to two-second concentric is going to be much, much, much better for your joints, mainly because of inertia. You're not slamming the brakes on in the bottom position to be able to produce force back up. But also the second thing is that your load exposure is probably going to be less. If you have a you know, 100 kilos on the hack going up and down, one second eccentric, one second concentric, you can probably get 10 reps out. But if you have 100 kilo, but maybe to get 10 reps on a hack where you're doing three second eccentric, one second pause, one second concentric, you probably won't be able to get 10 reps with 100 kilos. So you'll have to do 70. But the internal stimulus to the quad, I believe would be better with the 70 kilos at less tempo at slower tempo, excuse me. So you're getting better stimulus and your risk of injury is lower. I think that's a big win then. You know, if we're getting better stimulus, which is going to provide more, or, or, um, uh, facilitate, it keeps saying stimulate better growth. So better growth and less injury risk. I think that's a big win. So that you'll see me do very, very slow tempos because of the injury risk and also the internal stimulus. So keep things nice and slow instead. It doesn't need to be snail's pace, but I think that having some control, both eccentrically and concentrically, is always nice to see. Number nine is the use of intensifiers, particularly when time is of the essence, adding in rest pause sets, adding in drop sets, adding in supersets for chest and chest or chest and back or or quads and chest, whatever that it is, if this speeds up the session for you to get through it and you can get very good stimulus and have more sets and volume done across the session in 30 minutes, that's a big win for us. These are also useful then to be able to add in 
add in two sets specifically. So instead of me doing three sets of an incline bench press, okay, I can do two sets and the last one has an intensifier. It has a rest pause set. So it's actually only two sets that I'm doing, but I'm getting the effective reps that three sets would do specifically. Okay, I do like to use these from time to time. Not a huge fan of them, and I wouldn't put them in for everyone. But if someone's looking or if we're looking to add some more volume onto you know, one of my clients delts or, or his like, um, or, or her glute volume or whatever that it is, we can always do that through intensifiers instead of adding on total sets. The last one, and one of the most important ones, in my opinion, number 10 is going to be log booking. Okay. And maybe this doesn't have anything to do with the program itself, but in terms of tracking the progression, it, do you need to log book? No. Can you progress your physique without log booking? Absolutely. Would you progress your physique more by objectively knowing exactly what you did last week and trying to beat that this week? In my opinion, absolutely yes. So writing down either pen and paper or in your notes, I actually have my own app, the JCC app. I can't remember, I think it's called just JCC app or whatever that it is that tracks this, but I still don't like to use it. I just like to get off my phone in the gym. I spend enough time on computers and on my phone and client messages. I like to use this hour and a half or two hours to just switch off. So I like a pen and paper, but I'll write in all of my sessions every time I train and flick back to my last session, see what I got, RDL, 170 kilos, six reps, and try and beat that by one rep the next week. It's a very important way of objectively checking what you did and trying to bring that forward into the next week and trying to beat that for the next week. So guys, with that said, there are my 10 specific points that I use with all my clients to build their training programs and to track it and to progress them, okay? Hopefully you guys found that valuable. Hopefully you can take something into your own training as well. If you enjoyed the podcast, make sure you share it on your stories, send it to a friend, whatever that it is. I really, really appreciate that always. And like I said at the beginning, make sure that you've signed up to the Condition in 12 Challenge. Sign-up date is final date. is going to be the 10th of September. Can't wait to have you there, guys. Any questions about the challenge, let me know, but the link is also in the description. Other than that, catch you guys all in the next one.